Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of the DevThink Podcast with Sean and... Nicola. Nicola, yes. And today we're going to talk about some links from the past week that we have found we want to share with you. So, since I talked a lot so far, you want to go first? Sure, why not? Excellent. Uh, okay, so my first link is actually something that you even may find interesting, and that is uh, the title of it is Convert Any PDF File into an Audio Book with Python. So it's got everything that you like, right? It has PDF, it's got like audiobooks, and it's got Python. So there you go, right? So anyways, uh, this is a cool post where the author goes line by line explaining the code behind the program that can convert, obviously, any PDF file into an audiobook. The code is actually less than 10 lines of code if you don't count the imports. So honestly, go check it out. Again, uh, you know, the quality, of course, it's not as if you have an actual narrator doing it, but where's the value of this, right? The value is, so for example, me, right? I tend to um, listen to a lot of audiobooks, but don't read as much books while sitting at the table, right? So I also have like a lot of PDFs and I'm like, eh, probably, you know, I'm gonna never read this, right? However, if I put this into an MP3, I could definitely do that, you know, on a run or somewhere. So, you know, definitely useful, um, useful thing to, I guess, do or check yeah. out. Yeah, what is the um, text-to-speech engine that it uses? Oh man, now you've asked me. I think he uses the Google one, but let me just quickly confirm. Oh, uh, let's if, see, convert, convert. So that's not going to be free. He actually, so he uses the PDF to text library. That's obviously to get the PDF to the text. And for the MP3, he uses the Google text to speech. So he's using the GTTS library. All right. Cool. Well, again, my first. You know one. that I don't have experience with uh, Python, uh, but um, the way it's like shown here, it seems to be really straightforward. So, go check it out, guys. What did you want to say? Yeah, no. It sounds like it's it's got to be really straightforward. I'm just concerned about the pricing because there's no way that's going to be free, uh, depending on Google service. Although it actually looks like it's really cheap on the pricing table. So. Next, my first one is from fastcompany.com. I actually, there's this um, technique called the military method for falling asleep. And I read about it a long time ago and I forget, I forgot the exact details. I was like, oh, let me look it up. And I found it in a few places and this is one of the th multiple places I found it. And with it, you can allegedly fall asleep in two minutes. And I don't know if I've exactly accomplished that. And of course, with anything like this, it's going to be weeks or more of doing it regularly for it to really work its best. But if anyone has trouble falling asleep, this is actually a really good method that I have found useful and my son has found useful as well. So check it out. Interesting. Do you have like a TLDR? Yeah, pretty much. It's it's um, nothing that people probably haven't heard if they're interested in the topic. You start by kind of doing a body scan type thing where you like try to intentionally relax the muscles in different parts of your body, starting from your head, working way down to your feet. Then you visualize a calm, relaxing scene. And then at the end, you actually think, don't think, don't think, don't think over and over in your head. And it just, I guess, relaxes your body, then relaxes your mind and helps you cut ties to whatever 
random stuff is running through your head so that you can disconnect enough to fall asleep. Interesting. It seems like one of these days I've got I gotta write a book on how to fall asleep because what two minutes? What are you talking about, dude? If I don't fall asleep in like 10 seconds, something's wrong. <laughs> well, okay. Most people wish yeah, joke, they had that. Joking a bit. Uh, cool. Okay. My second link is titled uh, Goodbye Clean Code. Say what? Yeah, goodbye, clean code. So anyways, bear with me. Uh, this is a blog post by a popular Dan Abramov, uh, who is actually an engineer at Facebook, and he's the co-creator of the popular React state management library called Redux. And in this post, he basically tells a story how he once refactored the code, like a lot of the code, right, uh, of a fellow employee, and he made it all nice and modular, and, you know, everything was clean, quote-unquote, and... Then he pushed it to master. To me now, this like, so wait, you didn't even go and ask the guy? Or, I mean, come on, don't you have like a process where you actually do a PR or something? But anyways, you know, not going into that. Then the next day, he was actually called in by his manager and he was asked to revert the change. Now, he's writing this now, right? So he was like, <clears throat> kind of like remembering this from before, right? So now years later, as he's reflecting on that, refactoring right he sees why it was actually a disaster in multiple ways so like firstly he now realizes that he didn't even talk to the person who wrote it he just rewrote the code checked it in without their input right even if it was like an improvement which now he says that he doesn't even believe it was but uh it's definitely a terrible way to go about it and um one thing that really, really, really stuck out is a quote here, which says, a healthy engineering team is constantly building trust. Boom. <laughs> right? So anyways, you know, rewriting your team's code without a discussion is a huge blow to your ability to effectively collaborate on a code base together, right? Because it's like, yo, I'm the better one, right? You know, it's, we're going to do it my our way. I mean, my way, right? So anyways, you know, he goes on further, uh, but I'll leave it to the listener slash reader to check out on their own. He basically concludes with saying that the clean code should guide you, but that it shouldn't be, that you shouldn't be a clean code zealot, zealot. I honestly don't know how to pronounce that. Zealot, you know, those people that are yeah, just like... Zealot. It, yeah. Zealot, yeah, that. What it is again... Yeah. Yeah, just someone. It's it's usually um, used referring to someone who's extremely religious, and they take their beliefs literally to the extreme that they would do even uh, crazy violent acts in its name. Yeah, like kill or even die for it. Anyways, that's bad. So yeah, that's my second link. All right, so my second one is from realpython.com, and I was looking at something about Python string interpolation the other day. And it turns out, I had said a long time ago, back when I was a Python guy, before I knew about Go, that the only thing I was jealous of in Ruby was their string interpolation. Because with Python, you've got like the percent %s thing where you put percent %s inside your string, and then after the string you put a percent, and then you put a variable, and that's how that variable gets in there. And then later, they came out with positional arguments where you could put curly braces with, say, curly brace zeros, curly brace one, curly brace two, dot format and then you could have one or more arguments and they are in positions you know zero one two and they could be interpolated and that's a little bit better because for example the old way if you wanted to put the same variable in three times 
you would have to put 3% S's and then in the string and then put the same variable three times at the end. Whereas with the new way, you could put, for example, present zero three times or curly brace zero three times and then just put one variable in. But Ruby had a really nice thing where you could just put the actual variable name in your string with something around it. I think they might have been curly braces or something like that. And boom, it just magically works. And evidently, Python has introduced that, at least in Python 3, sometime when I wasn't looking, because I haven't really used Python much recently. And I discovered that and thought it was really cool. So any Python developers, be aware of that. And if you're saying, yeah, everybody knew that but you, sorry, you know, I tried. <laughs> cool. Okay. Uh, cool. So Python two times today. Okay, awesome. And yeah, back like... Um, kind of like additional note to the backstory of how we do these. We don't even collaborate. Like you come with your links, I come with my links. And it's interesting that today we both had a Python one, right? So yep. anyways, not to disappoint, of course, I'm gonna, my last link is gonna be uh, James Clear related. <laughs> and, it's, and it's actually three, two, one newsletter. And this is actually, um, and I'm gonna post a link, of course. Uh, so it's gonna be a link to a newsletter by James Clear where every Thursday he sends an email where in a short but concise manner, you know, the James Clear way, he presents three ideas, two quotes, and one question. So just to like give you an idea of the content, uh, here's this week's idea from James. Uh, and it reads like this. So curiosity, courage, and persistence are the new gatekeepers. Nice, something. So these are like really short. You can read them in like, you know, really, really fast, but they are really something if you want to, to really think about it. Like I won't use the word meditate on it, but you know, kind of like think about it. Uh, so another one is the most dangerous item on your to-do list are the ones that look like opportunities, but are actually distractions. Now that's a good one because my to-do list is never ending, right? Uh, so that quote I was talking about, so it's when one teaches to learn. That's actually by Robert Heinlein. I think I read one book by him and I liked it. Anyways. Um, He's one of the great of all time science fiction authors. So Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and uh, so like the question that he also has is, so this week's uh, question is, in what ways are you a difficult person to work with? What can you learn from that? Now that's, you know, if you really sit down with yourself, you do a retrospective and you're like, oh, I'm perfect. Eh, I'm not so sure, right? So if you really like want to improve, uh, asking yourself this kind of a question is definitely good. So I definitely recommend this 321 newsletter. If I'm not mistaken, Sean, you're also subscribe it, subscribe, blah, 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 subscribed to it. I am subscribed to it as well. Yes. Excellent. And I also find it usually very good. And one I even uh, saved as a image, I took a screenshot of it and saved it to my hard drive just so I can stumble upon it in the future and like it. All right. My last one today is frivolous. It's just for fun. Uh, LouisCK.com, the comedian Louis C.K. is uh, doing a tour, and he's actually going to be very nearby to my house in uh, a couple months, so I'm going to go see him. And I just thought, because he's a very popular comedian and possibly my favorite uh, current modern touring comedian, since a lot of my old favorites are retired or dead, I was going to promote him. Awesome. So just for, again, for a fun fact, you said very close. Now define what's very close to you or for you. Um, 
I don't know, maybe a half hour drive. Ah, okay. Okay, that less would in, or less. yeah, that would fall into my very close metric as well. Cool. Yeah. Okay, awesome. There you go, people. Links of the week number 3 in 2020. See you next time. All right, everybody. Have a good one, and we'll see you later. <laughs>